at one stage I actually just didn't know what to what to say kind of back it was just like wow that's just punched you in the face and I don't know if it's kind of one of those things where actually do you do you need to have a, a response or do you need to ask another question or do do you just need to be like wow like yeah it's just you've just opened my eyes completely to something I'd never even considered or never even thought about This episode of the Humans of Agriculture podcast was recorded on Gadigal People's Country of the Eora Nation, and I'd like to extend my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And I'd like to extend those respects to the traditional owners of the country wherever you may be listening to the podcast. Well, LAWD came on early last year to support the Humans of Agriculture podcast, and we are so thankful for their support. LAWD are the specialists in agribusiness valuations and transactions, and they've certainly been keeping busy over the last 12 months with everything that's happening in the Australian rural property market. Jump over to their website, lawd.com.au, to check out their listings. G'day and welcome back to episode 100 of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Ollie Laleve. And for the hundredth time, I'm joining you on a Wednesday morning. Thank you so much to everyone who's tuned in at any stage and listened to part of an episode, a whole one, or if you're coming back very regularly. What I thought I'd do as part of the hundredth edition, and for those of you who aren't familiar, since July of last year, I've had the incredibly talented Alice Marshall helping out in the background, produce a bunch of these episodes and as well as writing. But unfortunately for me, Alice is heading off to the ABC very shortly and she'll be commencing yeah, as a, as a journalist for them out of Toowoomba. So incredibly exciting for her, not so exciting for us, uh, but uh, what I thought I'd do, we were chatting and we thought, why don't we sit down, there's a whole bunch of new listeners that have come and discovered the podcast over the recent months. And what I thought I'd do is, um, yeah, we'd, we'd be able to have a bit of a chat, provide a bit of context and insight into yeah, some of the stories that have really stuck with me, how we've approached taking on some of these stories and some of the tougher questions and a little bit about my background as well. So you're going to hear plenty of me. I feel a little bit uncomfortable about it because I'm much more comfortable asking the questions and, and taking the front row seat. But I will hand over to Alice, who's going to be a bit of a pilot today and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. We'd love to hear any of your favourite moments and any ideas you've got for what you'd like to see in the next hundred. How did um, how do you want to kick off? I guess, well, firstly, um, many people may not know who you are or, or where you're from, but at the moment you're in at home in Burren Junction, but you'll be heading off to Toowoomba soon and also leaving Humans of Ag as you move on to the ABC, it's a yeah. step back really, isn't it? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's a bit of a hello and goodbye, but yes, I've been producing the the podcast for the past bit over since when you said July last year. So yeah, I'm, I've just finished uni at the end of last year, studied a bachelor of journalism and arts and yeah, I got, got a gig with the ABC. So I was already working as a casual on ABC radio in Brisbane where I was doing uni and also doing humans ag as well. So it was a busy, busy last year, but then graduated and I got 
the role I think is trainee reporter at Toowoomba with the ABC. So yeah, I'll be doing all sorts of things from a bit of help alongside Country Hour to producing my own stories for radio, TV, digital. Yeah, it should be good. Um, so I make the big move. Yeah, next week. Um, I'm just home for home for a week or two between. But yeah, I grew up out here, so Byron Junction, just east of Walgett in northwest New South Wales, on a sheep and mixed farming operation out here. Yep, God's country. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to ask Ollie a bit about himself. We're going to flip flip it around a bit because um, there's been some big big changes in your life, Ollie. I guess in the past two years and longer since the beginning of because Humans Vag itself started not as a podcast but as a storytelling platform when when was that Ollie? Yeah so started back in in April of 2020 and I guess I'd sat on the idea for ages um funnily enough looking back at various um various kind of like scholarship articles and things oh scholarship applications and, and that that I'd written was all around like oh the error I'd really like to have a role in in a playing is kind of ag social license and how we connect kind of broader community into agriculture and yeah for me it kind of April yeah start of April 2020 was kind of the everything came together I was um I, I left a job with kind of nothing to go to which was exciting and scary and then yeah, had been um, over in South Africa and kind of, yeah, just had my eyes opened up to what happens in kind of the broader world outside of um, the East Coast or outside of Australia. And yeah, had met this kind of taxi driver. Um, and I think it's probably just the, the crossroads where kind of everything starts to come together. This guy, he was, he was driving taxis. His goal, life's ambition was he wanted to save enough money, send it home to Zimbabwe and yeah, purchase a block of land, have his own livestock, grow his own crops, his vegetables. And in essence, his life ambition was to be a subsistence farmer. And here we were in Australia and uh, I was, yeah, I guess fairly active in some of the conversations we're having. And uh, we were talking about things like, and we still are, alternate proteins and, and the threat that it's going to overtake red meat, et cetera. But it, you, you start to look kind of more broadly and your perspectives really shift when you look at, what it's like through someone else's shoes and as simple as it could be a taxi ride in Cape town in South Africa with this bloke from Zimbabwe kind of, yeah, was the, the crucible moment of when it, what was started off as people of agriculture uh, very quickly got superseded by humans of agriculture and yeah, it's been the same ever since. Yeah. So the dates wise, I think you said 2020, but it must've been 2019. Oh, sorry. Not doing any travel to South Africa in 2020. No, not in April. No, it was, yeah, 19th of April, 2019. 2019, yeah. So maybe we'll go even further back and I'll ask you a bit about where you grew up. We'll start from the start. So I I grew up in Sydney and I think some people who have been listening to this for a while may know that, but yeah, I've kind of gone full circle to where I am now. I'm, I'm obviously back in Sydney, but yeah, grew up in fairly similar to a lot of Australians in suburban uh, Sydney, not too far from the beach or a capital city, but um, not too far from the beaches, but I was lucky that I had cousins in farming and my uncle was, had a property down in uh, Southwestern Victoria. So kind of every holiday as you got to head down there. And for me, that was, yeah, kind of a pretty idyllic childhood really got to spend 
my school terms in Sydney. And then as soon as school holidays came around, I either would jump in the car with mum and dad and, and my brothers and sisters and head down or, uh, yeah, I was luckily enough to get escorted through Sydney airport many a times by flight attendants as a ripe young 11 year old and jump on the plane and be picked up at the other end. And yeah, pretty funny. I was always sad of leaving kind of my uncle behind. I'd never cry when I was hopping on the plane by myself to go from Sydney uh, down to Melbourne at that stage. But every time coming back, there were, there were plenty of tears uh, that I had to leave and come back to the city. <laughs> but yeah, very much though, just working uh, in the sheep yards, in the shearing shed, mustering sheep, kind of all those fun things you get to do. Uh, yeah, chasing animals around the paddocks, working with dogs. Yeah, also got got the chance to pick up some work with uh with their neighbors and yeah kind of as i um became an adult and, and started looking for more full-time work uh pretty funny that the first bloke who ever kind of gave me a shot in ag dave kaninmonth he gave me um gave me a job at 12 uh and working alongside his kids we were we were doing some landmarking and he paid me i think it was 50 bucks for the weekend which was pretty awesome as a 12 year old and because i certainly didn't know what i was doing and so, yeah, Dave actually has given me plenty of chances over the years and, um, yeah, have worked for him kind of on and off and he kind of helped fund my uh, uni experience as well. So how did you get from doing this basic slave labour from for your uncle and his neighbours to sort of wanting to pursue a career in it? Yeah, well, I think for me, like the exposure I had to ag through high school and that was, uh, and I, we were fortunate at Knox to have um, ag as a subject, but in terms of the career path, it was, I was really interested in going and becoming, um, yeah, a, a farm manager or working on a farm and kind of had that dream of one day I wanted to own my own property. So yeah, I, I think for me, kind of through those high school years, it was all about getting that, yeah, go out, go jackarooing, kind of that fairly well trodden path that many people have done uh, before me and then, go to uni, get a degree because that's important and then work out from there kind of what the next steps are. So I think for me, from a very young age, it was always that I was going to do something in agriculture, I think. Yeah, kind of ag was was definitely the constant and has been probably since I was, yeah, 14, 15 years old. It was that I wanted to be in agriculture and at those stages, it was definitely that I, I wanted to see myself on farm. So yeah, I guess once you get the chance to go and experience more things and, and actually really get an idea of yeah what the opportunities are in the industry, then all of a sudden your eyes can be open to just the possibilities that there are. Yeah. You've spoken a bit, I think, about just briefly when you're talking to guests and it sort of comes up, you mentioned that you sort of got into a your quote-unquote dream role or like yeah, I guess dream graduate role pretty early on in the piece and and you almost think that it wasn't quite what it was hyped up to be in your head. What what was that role and, and when did that happen? Yeah, so that was that fresh produce um, exporting role and that was based out of Melbourne. And so, yeah, they do all kinds of uh, table grapes, um, all your citrus, your, yeah, asparagus is the area which I ended up in. And I think one thing which I really got caught up with and, and you kind of do, I guess, out of naivety at uni was thinking, okay, well, that dream role is that you've got career progression. It's that you can work yourself up into, a, I'd say, a, 
an influential role, whatever, whatever that means. I actually don't know what that means, but yeah, you kind of have this assumption that you'll be able to um, fast track your career progression. You'll be on that all exciting six figure salary and yeah, you kind of taking the world by storm. And for me, like that, that fresh produce role, actually, although the wage started very lowly, uh, low, you could actually see the steps really clearly laid out in front of you. So it was like, we'll come in, you learn the logistics and pack house coordination side of things. You get your teeth through that in the first season, second season, then you start to take on more responsibility by kind of year two or three, you're then starting to sit underneath um, like the, the key trader and you start to pick up some of your clients yourself. And then because the business had all those opportunities, it was, you could either stay kind of in your segment or there was, yeah, you could move more broadly. And from there, you could kind of become the essentially like a product manager for a certain kind of commodity group. And that was kind of your, your destiny. And, and it was, yeah, you could see like those roles were, they, you worked bloody hard, but there was really good career progression in it. And there was really good money to be made as well. And as part of that too, because all your clients um, for fresh or for the, that side of the business was actually overseas. So you'd get to travel kind of the world or, or to key countries for, for us, it was into Korea, Japan, a little bit into China and Canada. Um, and yeah, it was kind of seems like the dream, but for me, I, I think at that stage in my career, I thought the dream was made up of, yeah, kind of money and career progression as opposed to, yeah, what kind of sat behind the scenes and, it probably followed me. Mm. So what was that decision like to leave? How did you go making that? And how did you feel when you made it, when you pulled the pin on it? Yeah, I think for me, like any any decision that I make, I'll, uh, I, I spend a lot of time kind of in the background analysing it, probably way too much time kind of in my head analysing it. But as soon as I've made a decision that I'm leaving, that's it, it's solid. And yeah, I guess... No one's really going to talk me talk me out of it. I kind of just go through, pull the trigger, it's done. And yeah, kind of cut that off. And, and I've done that a few times, like in my career. Um, yeah, once once I've made that decision, I kind of know that I've made that decision at that point in time, it's time to move on and kind of, yeah, get on with whatever uh, will come off of it. So I think for me, yeah, I try and, dad always said, um, try and create options for yourself uh, and and yeah leave with doors open um and and don't burn bridges as part of that and so yeah i think i I definitely try and and do that where i can but at the same time too yeah if i'm not enjoying something and it's not kind of where i want to be then i'm pretty i'm pretty happy to make a call and move on and find somewhere where i'll be happier Mm. so when you started humans vag where were you then at that stage what was your role yeah so so i just left that just left the startup um, and kind of, yeah, didn't have another role to go to at that stage. And so I was just going to pick up a bit of work on some mates farms, which, which is what I actually ended up doing. Um, the, the very first photo that I ever put up, uh, I think so started in, in April, first photo I ever put up was the 24th of July of 2019. I remember that cause it was my sister's birthday and it was a photo from, uh, sewing and it was just a mate. Uh, that I was working for at the time, bending down in the paddock, you could see the uh, the air seeder driving out in front of him and he was just checking the seed depth. And I don't know, I quite liked the photo um, and it kind of featured fairly prominently across everything at that stage. And so, yeah, I was on farm when it began and then um, kind of just, yeah, started it as 
in terms of, I was just sharing my own photos. Um, but then I, I picked up a role, which was just a contract role with uh, global table, which was the food innovation summit. And that was bringing, bringing the conversation to Australia around the United Nations sustainable development goals and how that applies to our food system, but in the context of the Asia Pacific. And so, yeah, I kind of somehow I was on the tractor and it was just that I'd happened to have met someone who knew of someone who was then looking for a role and they um, wanted someone with a bit of ag experience to work with what was under um, Food and Wine Victoria. So very much a consumer facing kind of business, but yeah, bringing this global conversation to Australia in partnership with um, an organization out of Italy called Seeds and Chips. Um, and yeah, the it, it was in, incredible. But Seeds and Chips for their Global Food Innovation Summit, they've had people like Barack Obama speak. They've had um, Howard Shapiro, they've had um yeah they've had kind of john Kerry, who who we ended up bringing out to australia um mm. they have just this incredible network of people who are yeah deeply passionate about the role food plays in shaping kind of the, the world we live in and so that was probably yeah quite a defining moment in terms of the direction i wanted to take humans of ag in and i wanted to play in this kind of yeah global conversation around the importance of agriculture but yeah, how do we bring that conversation kind of into Australia? So, yeah. Mm. How, how did it feel to sort of, I guess you, you're starting this Instagram page and this website and you're the face behind it, but you're not exactly putting that face full outward facing kind of thing. How did it feel then to jump behind a microphone and really sort of put your full force behind it and put yourself out there for that first episode? Mm, um, like, well, I had tried not to feature myself at all. Like I'd featured my photos and then I was trying to feature kind of other people, but I didn't want to put my face behind humans of agriculture. Um, first post I did was at the beginning, which I kind of was part of, was at the beginning of uh, 2020 and it was just on the Instagram uh, and it was talking about, oh, a, a conference coming up LAMX wanted some young people to apply so I just kind of did a video said saying if you're interested apply blah blah, blah. and that took me when I recorded it then took me a week to actually post it because I was just like oh shit what are people like what's what are the negative comments that are going to come as part of this yeah. um do I really want to put myself out there blah, blah blah uh but yeah kind of nothing came of that and then the podcast was just a, a really how it started and I'd say how it still is today is um, I was really interested in talking to certain people, learning more through them. The podcast was kind of the avenue where it was a bit of a, a sales point to them and be like, Oh, I'd love to chat to you instead of us just grabbing a coffee. Why don't we record it? And then that way other people can hear people want to build their own presence and exposure. So if they can do that through a podcast, then it, it gives them something to walk away with. And for me, it was, well, I actually had the chance to sit down, talk with them and, and be able to, yeah, kind of pick their brain in a way that was probably for me safer than just having a coffee with them because I was able to ask those questions and, and be like, oh, this is stuff that our audience wants to know. Or <laughs> Yeah. Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank, and I'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market. 
Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported. Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade, or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. Yeah, you can get really deep in sort of a 40-minute interview with someone in a way that you wouldn't probably over a coffee just because you've got, in a weird way, you've got the microphone in front of you and it is sort of an not an excuse, but yeah, a reason to ask those questions that you might have shied away from before, which I think is is the beauty of it. And um, I guess we're going to touch on that later a bit, but one thing that I did really want to sort of go over is the fact that you started this podcast at the beginning of the first lockdown. Um, so yeah, February 2020. And then Humans of Agriculture has been pretty well consistent with pumping out an episode a week throughout this whole past two years where we've seen attitudes towards work shift. We've seen a massive rise in burnout across every single industry. No industry has been spared throughout this whole pandemic, really. But you've had to stay consistent in even the way that you present yourself with your tone of voice and, and the positivity that you have to bring to this podcast every week how has it been behind the scenes yeah well i i think like just firstly picking up the, the point around like the tone of voice and positivity um there's probably only been a couple of interviews that i haven't enjoyed and to be honest i haven't aired them or i've pulled them in terms of yeah turning up for the interviews it's, that's never a chore i think the the monotony actually sits kind of after an episode's recorded and yeah, it comes to the editing, to the writing and that kind of the real piece, which is the accountability, which is then one, like once I said it was coming out every Wednesday morning, it's like, well, I better keep it going. And so, yeah, kind of in the very beginning where, where it first started, the first probably four or five episodes was like chasing my tail completely and being like, oh my God, why did I agree to do this weekly? And then from there, like we started to get, uh, I was in, in Victoria at that stage, um, probably like any good startup working out of my mum's uh, place. And <laughs> yeah, kind of the, that first lockdown, it, it gave me a chance to network with people. It gave me a chance to ask questions to, yeah, reach out to people who I probably would, wouldn't get the chance to have a coffee with. But also to kind of sitting behind that was knowing that people all of a sudden had all this time on their hands. So actually getting access to kind of, yeah, some really influential people um, in ag and food or yeah, kind of anywhere across the world as well, um, got got a whole lot easier. So yeah, I think the highs have been just getting to know and meet all these incredible people, but then it's actually then the parts which sit behind that. And it's, yeah, the, the Instagram messages, once you put up an episode of people being like, wow, that was incredible or, yeah, just recently, Richard Rain's like 
I found Richard's story so incredibly inspiring and motivating and like little messages like that. But then, yeah, as well, kind of having mates and, and just chatting to friends over the last little while. Um, one of them who, who reckons he's listened to more episodes than anyone else. And so uh, we'll see if he listens to this one. Hi, Sam. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I guess the lows are the, probably the same as anyone's been through. You kind of, yeah, question like, uh, are you going to keep doing it or whatnot? But um, for me, it was, yeah, the first most important part was every conversation I'm having as part of it. There's something I want to, I'm curious about. I, I want to know, I want advice on, um, and I guess that kind of probably comes through. Mm. One episode that's really stood out to me, um, I guess, and the one that was, I dare say it's been the most fun to edit was your episode that you did with Grace Cheatley out in Texas. Yeah. And I think that it, I'm not sure if the the listener at home noticed, but it was the first episode that you'd done in person for a good while. I'm not sure on the specifics, but yeah, it was sort of just when the Sydney lo- New South Wales lockdown had eased and you were able to sort of escape Sydney and get out back on farm out there. And um, I just wanted to ask what that was like, because then there was also the fact that Grace is a, a very close friend of yours. Can you just tell me a bit about how that would have felt, both the freedom to get out of Sydney and then to be able to chat with such a close friend? Yeah, that chance, it was October uh, last year and had the chance to go out. We've been talking about it for so long that, yeah, I was going to come up and see them. And then obviously, so Grace had moved up to Texas uh, properly at the beginning of, of 2021. And yeah, had met Dennis a few times. Anyway, I was like, all right, guys, I'm coming and kind of just, yeah, as soon as I got that chance that we could travel, I was straight up there uh, and and spent a couple of weeks working remotely from there. I was obviously doing my day job, but Dennis at the time, he was doing his budgets for kind of the next financial year amongst checking lambing news, amongst making kind of, yeah, various decisions. So it was just fascinating kind of sitting there and kind of in the background seeing what was happening uh, and so, yeah, we were doing, spending our weekends or our mornings or afternoons doing a bit of sheep work and, and checking sheep and then kind of the, the day job, it was pretty idyllic, really. Uh, a bit of a dream. When you get the chance to sit down with someone for a podcast and particularly face-to-face, whether it's your best friend or not, you, you just start to see kind of the realness and the rawness come out as part of that. And I think why I really love podcasts is when I'm sitting down with a guest, it's literally just the two of us talking but what I say is like, yeah, we, we get the chance to, to just chat and anything that we talk about will potentially can be edited out if the person's uncomfortable with it or they have reflections kind of afterwards. But there's also a real power that when people start to show that vulnerability and they show them their true selves as part of it, I, I think of it as sitting on a stage, having a one-on-one conversation and kind of it's, it's dark around you. But in that amphitheater, there's a thousand people listening Um some episodes there could be several thousand people listening into that it basically eavesdropping on that conversation like it's such an incredibly powerful way to yeah connect with someone from my perspective but then also to yeah bring that connection to to an audience Mm. and I guess with that you're having these really powerful conversations and sometimes 
those conversations can be really uplifting and positive as as anyone who's listened will know but then also sometimes these conversations can be really really difficult to have and really confronting and I guess one that immediately comes to mind is Justin and Kate Boshammer who who lost a child and then had to had to continue from that and then created as we know Zara's day I want to know how you go about those conversations and how how you feel during and how you feel afterwards yeah well, there's definitely there's a few there that um that have been really can kind of confronting I think um and in terms of do I feel qualified to be talking about child loss and those things well yeah I'd say definitely not but actually if I think back to the whole podcast it's like, well I'm not trying to position myself as an expert in any kind of specific area that's kind of the beauty of bringing the guests on because they have that ability to to talk to their experiences and and kind of what is yeah either been adversity for themselves or, or what's really brought them in, into where they are today as part of that uh, if I think yeah like the the confronting stories whether it's the the Bosch hammers or um Karen Dodge uh Shanna Wan with talking about alcoholism and and then off the back of that sexual assault and everything else that came as part of that I don't think there's anything you can do that's going to prepare you for it and also too if you start to preempt those things well then you're not really being real so I'd say for me it's all about just yeah being being curious but being actually just a good listener and being in that conversation in that moment and whatever people are saying like there's been times yeah that that have been super emotional and I think uh, with with Kate and Justin, I, like at one stage, I actually just didn't know what to what to say. Kind of back, it was just like, wow, that's just punched you in the face. And I, I don't know if it, it's kind of one of those things where actually, do you do you need to have a, a response or do you need to ask another question or do do you just need to be like, wow, like yeah, it's just you've just opened my eyes completely to something I'd never even considered or never even thought about. And, and then off the back of that, well, does it like I'd say it definitely takes a toll, but it actually then starts to really play on your conscience. And so you actually, I don't know if you, you start to carry some of these things with you, but you just have a heightened awareness of what other people have gone through and kind of, yeah, some of the struggles that people may be having, having behind closed doors, but all of a sudden there's these people who have been brave enough and, and courageous enough to kind of, yeah, talk about that with me. So for me personally, I'd, I'd say I feel like really privileged when people are, they're kind of, hundred percent true selves and that, and they feel comfortable talking about those challenges, um, those challenges with me. And so, yeah, I, I guess off the back of that too, you actually build rapport with people that you never met and you, it, the conversation doesn't stop once we finish recording. There's yeah ongoing emails or there's phone calls or there's text messages and, and you actually, yeah, build a relationship with someone who you've never actually met, but, um, yeah, I've had, had the chance to kind of talk to it at a really deep level. Mm. And that was one thing we've discussed before is that how do you go about absorbing the emotions of other people when they can be so real and raw? And, and how do you step away from those interviews at the end of the day and, and process them? but then be able to move on. And I think that 
that's been one really in interesting insight that I think that you've given to me is that you're always able to to look at the whole picture and to say yeah that was it was really difficult to hear about about that child loss or or that period of that person's life where they were having suicidal ideations but I guess what you were saying is that you've you're getting them at a stage of their life when they're reflecting on it and when they've grown and and been able to to move forward and so you're able to see it from a really holistic angle I guess and and take a real element of positivity that I think has been a big a big lesson for me I suppose which I I guess yeah thanks for that I, <laughs> it was a really interesting take on it that you had I think I think that's probably like the difference between the types of stories that we're going after like you're focusing on kind of the person as opposed to uh, I think I don't know the stats 70 plus percent of the news cycle is built around negativity because that's what's going to grab a headline which is going to draw people in and so say for instance like in in journalism you're going in at a certain point in time and you're looking for a certain outcome based off what that person's doing right then and there which is then going to fit the mold of the story or whatever it might be um for humans vag podcast it's yeah, i'd say it's kind of timeless in the sense that people could go back and listen to episode one or episode 20 or episode 99 and there's still going to be a similar kind of cycle every episode i kind of take at it is you want to talk about you want to understand about that person in kind of who they are what their ambitions were when they were young what have been those trials or tribulations or opportunities that have been created for them and then how's that then led into where they are today and then where do they see themselves going so i kind of think of everything as like a big kind of circle yeah as you say like i think if i was if I was going and sitting next to someone at that point of real challenge and real darkness or yeah, real kind of adversity, would I be able to, I think I'd absolutely carry that emotion with me. But at the same time too, like the conversations I'm having, we're able to talk about, well, here's what that person experienced and here's where they are now. And here's why they are thankful because of that opportunity or here's what they learned. And so you're actually getting to understand like the real, humanness behind it where it's like well actually like i think thinking of dodge he could say well he could dwell and, and think oh this this accident has changed my life forever i'm never going to be able to do this or that or that but like his outlook was actually well yes the accident has changed that and i can't do this but here's what i can do and i'm still here for my kids and i'm here, still here for my wife and that's that's the the power in it and that's kind of i guess the humanness of, of what we do and i think yeah if anything stories like that although they are incredibly confronting, they're actually incredibly inspirational. Mm. You might have already mentioned it, but if not, can I ask, who is the interview that you have found has stayed with you for the longest and has influenced you as a person the most? Hmm. As I scroll through the list, there's different things which I could take from kind of anyone at, at any stage, whether it's... Um, just like little conversations and the passing comments we'd say like Sammy O'Brien and does she see herself as part of agriculture? And in that moment she said no, but then we actually kind of talked about it a little bit more and talked about how she's bringing, yeah, these um, bring her experiences in, in agriculture or experiences of others to her audience of 20 odd thousand people. And uh, she's actually so influential in agriculture and such an asset for our industry. And um, 
yeah, we kind of had this moment, like, do you actually, once we talked through that, do you, do you then see yourself as part of agriculture? And she was like, yeah, I do actually. And so I think that was a real moment, which kind of um, stuck with me. And then I think probably a little, like one of the series that we did. So the series that we, that I did around kind of mental health and it was kind of, I guess there's frustrations as such. Like we turn up in, are you okay day? And everyone all over social media is posting, are you okay? But then what are we doing the other 364 days? And then November rolls around and everyone's talking about mental health. And it was like, well, actually at the beginning of last year and after 2020, I was like, I'm going to dedicate the month of January to hearing different people's stories around uh, mental health and, and kind of what they've, what they've overcome. And, and off the back of that, yeah, we, I'd met with the guys at Trademark and this is a conversation starter charity and um, yeah, sat down with them, had an awesome chat, understood more about kind of them and yeah, just, it was four blokes sitting on a couch talking about mental health and men and, but then the following episodes and the conversation that that created uh, and numerous people who weren't aware of um, the TX foundation and actually what trademark stood for, for instance, then found that there was a helpline for them and there was a psychologist at the other end. And so I had, I had several mates who contacted the helpline either for themselves because they were in a bit of a rut and needed someone to talk to, or they actually called on behalf of someone else and said, and referred that person. And then, yeah, there was kind of one really, um, really kind of poignant moment where someone reached out. They had no idea that trade mud existed. Uh, sorry, that TX existed and they actually reached out at, at a really dark moment in their life and that it, it helped them. And I think that's the stuff which if the podcast did nothing else beyond that point in February last year, well, that, that was absolutely fine because it has ultimately really shifted and, and shaped a life. Uh, and, and that definitely stuck with me. Like that was, that was a moment where it was like, holy shit, like this is the power of a podcast. And this is just us talking and, and saying, well, actually, yeah, it's okay to, yeah, not be all right, but actually there's people out there who can help you as part of that. And if you need that help or if you want that help or if you're just looking for someone to talk to, here's the TX helpline and, yeah, mm -hmm. give them a chat. That was that was huge, I reckon. I want to ask you, I suppose, if you have ever felt, I know it's such a buzzword, but imposter syndrome, living in Sydney and then, growing up in Sydney even and and then going out and interviewing people from whether it's up in the Kimberley or Dodge and Karen out at their home in Dubbo. How have you ever have you ever felt it for one, I suppose, this imposter syndrome? Well I think Tom Hancock was pretty good at pointing it out as well that where I was from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, as yeah, I do. Um yeah, I, I do. But at the same time too, it's like, well, a lot of the stuff that I kind of talk about and, and I guess try and champion agriculture around is, well, there's all these opportunities and it's, there's far more um, jobs in agriculture outside the farm gate than there are inside. And it's really important that we have people who are willing to work on farm and be out in rural and regional Australia. But at the same time too, it's really important that we have people in the capital cities and, and attract people from whole new backgrounds into ag, whether it's in technology or it's law or it's actually people going into the political field, for instance, like we need those people with 
who are interested and passionate about agriculture, but are in um, our urban areas. And so I think one thing, there's probably been a couple of people who I've spoken to, one on the podcast, one not, um, who have Richard Rains just recently, he kind of talked of, of the concept of, well, actually, yes, he's in this concrete jungle and he really likes it here and he's built his career and his family. So Sydney's home, but he still sees his, himself and he still has a real influence in the bush. And I think, yeah, hearing that, and I chatted to a mate during the week about it and was like, I, I think you should, you should um, chat with Richard because, yeah, yes, there's this perception that to build a career in agriculture, you've got to be in the bush and in the dirt and stuff but there's a bloke who's built an incredibly successful career and is a very influential person he's incredibly grounded who's done it from australia's largest city mm. and i think you can probably lump yourself in with those those couple of people you're doing the same thing yeah i think it's it's funny what, like how once you start looking or maybe once the conversations start um, or maybe more people are talking about it, but the amount of people that have come from, yeah, urban backgrounds that are involved in agriculture is is a lot. I know Annie, who was on, who runs the Rural Bank podcast, and I had the chance to talk with them. She's from an urban background, and so yeah, I think it's just giving people the chance, and that's where we're really lucky at Humans Bag is we're able to kind of put those people who have come from those uh, yeah city backgrounds or now building a career in agriculture in the city we're able to put a bit of a, a face to the name and a face to the concept. And I reckon there'll be more and more people like that coming out. And it's probably more important or just as important that the people who are listening to Humans of Ag while they're sitting on a tractor are hearing these stories of people involved in agriculture that aren't fifth-generation farmers on the property that was handed down to them by their parents to to sort of reconfigure the way that people in traditional ag roles see the industry that they are part of as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think I've, I've chatted with mates back to 2019 and that event we had in Melbourne, Global Table, trying to get them to come along. And that one of them in particular, he reflected and was like, well, yeah, actually, I know kind of the grain, we grow the grain, it goes in the truck, goes to the silo, but actually what happens beyond that and what the opportunities are around that, I have no idea about. Um, just last week, there was a conversation on Twitter. I didn't even know they had these Twitter spaces. Uh, and this, uh, this grain trader was saying, well, um, we've got Australian farmers who are, who are doing certain practices, which are fine to then sell grain into the Australian market. But the grain that they're actually doing these Australian, uh, these, these practices on are going into the EU market and the practices which we're doing aren't accepted there. So the farmers are actually completely unaware and they don't know what their customer wants. So they're doing what they think is right for the Australian customer, but that Australian customer isn't even the person who's going to, to do it. And I think um, with, with ag and we talk about kind of, we've talked about people knowing kind of their consumer, but if we look at the influence that the everyday Australian has on the agriculture industry, it's becoming more and more and people are having say on things like, regulations around say chemical usage um various statuses which actually then flow back into the farm gate and and if you're unaware of what those conversations are are that are that are happening or you're not actually taking the chance to make sure that you've got a say in that conversation you'll you'll be dictated to and i think um one of the things which excites me so much about agriculture right now is 
the interest in things which relate to agriculture. So we're talking about greenhouse gas emissions. We're talking about food waste. We're talking about the use of water. Uh, we're talking about how we feed people healthy and nutritious food. Like that's, that's the consumer conversation. And every single one of those things comes back into agriculture's role and the role that agriculture plays in that. And I think that's one of the, the biggest opportunities is to talk and reset it perfectly last week um, on the podcast see yourself as a food producer, not a farmer. And if you're growing um, nutrient dense food for a consumer and you know who that consumer is, well, then you can really get your team and your business passionate about what they're doing. Uh, but you're actually producing something which is in demand and wanted. And I think that's the part, not, not saying that everyone's going to become a, um, like a, a direct to consumer model, but if you look at these kind of bigger conversations, um, the, the time is now to, to get on board and actually, yeah, really take part and, it, and be a part of those conversations and shape the future that we want as opposed to sit back, don't be involved and be dictated to. Mm, yeah, 100%, 100% agree. I guess, so we're 100th episode. I'd like to hear some of your favourite moments from the past two years of doing the podcast. Well, I think we've probably um, brought a fair few of them in as we're going. <laughs> I think um, I think the trip that we did, that you came on and, and we actually had that little live podcast out at the Collo Hotel. That was awesome, chatting with the Bryans, um, chatting with Dodge, chatting with um, Jill Kilby at, at the exchange and getting to know some of those people. And um, <laughs> actually, I had the funniest moment um, from a friend who was at a hen's party the other day and she was apparently we were walking or we were in the exchange or walking to the exchange in Dubbo and someone walked past and they were like they knew it, they'd listened to the podcast <laughs> and they knew like who we were but they were um they were too afraid to actually say hi they weren't sure how it would be received just being like oh you guys from humans of agriculture <laughs> we were also probably power walking we did a lot of power walking around Dubbo as well so <laughs> Probably, uh, yeah, running late for something. That was um, that was bloody funny. But yeah, even it, it's the little little things like um, kind of where the idea started off around. And I've had lots of ideas and then kind of gone away from it. But the idea of giving every guest that came on the podcast a hat, and you start to build this community or yeah of people who are sharing their story around agriculture and they've got kind of a memento to show it. That came from a mate, and I reckon there must have only been 10 or 15 hats kind of in circulation. And um, my mate Dan, Christmas of 2020, saw someone in Byron Bay with a Humans of Agriculture hat. And he was like, I really wanted to go up and ask them and be like, where did you get like the hat from? Because like, I know Ollie, I haven't even got one of those hats myself. And um, <laughs> I'm just really intrigued. And then even just yesterday, um, a friend was out at a winery think out at Mudgee or something and um someone had a humans of ag hat on and these girls went up and said oh like do you know ollie such and such anyway they had a conversation with someone who was a complete stranger to them but the podcast and the merchandise has kind of broken a barrier and there's a couple of complete strangers who are able to talk about yeah their involvement in agriculture how they listen to the podcast etc i'd say that's a um that's a pretty cool moment mm, yeah that's um, it's what you want as well. It's like the whole premise behind the podcast and behind humans of agriculture in general is 
let's start having conversations about about what it means to be in Australia's ag industry and Absolutely. all the different humans behind it. Like it's, it really brings it back to that core premise, which I love. And I guess final question is a question I ask everyone every week. Oh, <laughs> um, no. I didn't even I'll, think this would come up. I'll steal, <laughs> steal your quotes. Um, is what would you tell a group of you? So you're going back to Knox. <laughs> And you're speaking to the year 10 cohort, what, what would you tell them about the opportunities there are in a career in ag? It's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe of everything that I thought that could come up. I didn't even think of this. Uh, it's become second nature. I think firstly, I'd say to them probably some life advice is don't be in a rush and take the time because yeah, you, you're never going to get those years and opportunities that you can create for yourself and that freedom that you get in your late teens, early 20s. And there's plenty of time to build a career. Um, when it comes to a career in agriculture, I think if you're looking for working in an industry that um, has a lot of purpose behind it, that has a lot of opportunity, people are always going to need to eat, We're, that's head on in addressing some of kind of the biggest challenges which we'll face as humanity over the next well yeah kind of 30 years particularly but but through kind of the next hundred um agriculture is a an industry which will be front and center and it's never been more important that we have really talented people with lots of ideas to to do things differently and do things better and, and challenging the status quo and yeah if if you're looking for a career in in an office or if you're looking for a career where you can be out and about every day or you're looking at a career where you can help people then agriculture is, a, is an industry for you that's uh, a little uh, paraphrase of everyone that's been on the podcast <laughs> what do you say that's very it's very good advice <laughs> Thankfully for me, that is going to be the last time that I have to talk that much on an episode for quite some time. But I hope you guys enjoyed that and provided a bit of a different look at the world of humans of agriculture and the podcasting side of things. If anyone has any questions about any of it, please reach out. would love to chat with you. And the other exciting news is we've rolled out a bit of a new brand with the help of Studio Agriculture up in Brisbane Jump over to our socials or our website, humansofagriculture.com, and you can check out the latest there. Next week, we'll be sitting down with John Harvey from AgriFutures Australia and listening to a bit, little bit of his story. In the coming weeks as well, we've got Charlie Perry, the 2022 Australian Xander McDonald Award winner as well. Can't wait to share some of these conversations with you. And as I said at the beginning, if you've got any ideas of guests, topics, ideas that you'd like to see us cover, throw them at us. We're always open to it. 